Are you ready to turn your crafting passion into a thriving business? Join me, Kimberly Smith, the Paper Chef, for a creative journey filled with success stories, expert insights, and the crafty inspiration you've been waiting for. This is Hello Crafty Friends. Hello Crafty Friends. I am excited to introduce our first guest on the Hello Crafty Friends podcast. Tracy Vanover is a pillar of the crafting community. Tracy's design style combines her love of history, color, and a bit of quirkiness with a healthy sense of humor. Tracy has a background in research and advertising. She ran a successful boutique creative agency. She designed and published a small business magazine and even co-hosted a small business radio show. We're gonna get into all of that and more. Tracy is a star seller on Etsy and has over 18,000 sales. And she shares her talents through teaching on multiple platforms, including one of my favorite marketplaces, Creative Fabrica. We will be discussing the importance of having multiple streams of crafty income and other juicy topics as they come up. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you, Kimberly. Wow. I'm so excited to be your first guest. Go well, easy. Be gentle. <laughs> I am happy that you decided to come on because you helped get me started in online teaching of craft courses when you recommended Skillshare to me over five years ago. So I yeah, still I was going to say it's been a while. That. Yeah, it's been a while. And I still have, and I did have this on my website. I still have the review that you gave me Aww. in 2018 on my first brother scan and cut course, which is still on Udemy. And I remember that you gave me such a detailed review and, and a five-star one at that. And I ended up taking a picture of it and using it for marketing my courses. So I really appreciate all you did to help me get started in this space. Well, no joke. That was the best 10 bucks I've ever spent in crafting, bar none. I mean, and that includes the clearance racks at Hobby Lobby. So that's saying something. Thank you. Um, I'm up to... <laughs> I'm up to 14 courses now there at Udemy. And oh, wow. Although, as we know, even if they're $39.99, they are always on sale for 10 bucks or $9.99. Right. Pretty much with or without our coupons, they are always on sale. We know they are worth more, but that's a topic for another podcast. So yeah. I would like to ask you the first question, and then we're going to just be a little more loosey-goosey after that. But I really <laughs> loved your introduction that you made for your YouTube channel and i want to start with that little red leather briefcase that you carried <laughs> around as a little girl so oh take goodness. us back to that place and what wanted you know what you did to oh my that, gosh with that briefcase okay so i i think i came out of the womb thinking i wanted to be an artist um i always had crayons and markers and pens and paper and my folks got me this little red leather briefcase and I put all my art stuff in it and I, I took it with me everywhere. And the funniest thing is that I used to try to sell my pictures to our family. <laughs> so I think the, the entrepreneurial spirit started early. Um, did they buy know, them? <laughs> you know, I think I did sell a few, but clearly I did not retire to Aruba. So something, is- something must have happened along the way. But um, I, I definitely have always, always wanted to be an artist. And, you know, as you grow up, you know, you, you, at least people of a certain age like us, 
um, our folks probably would have discouraged that saying you need to find a job where you can make a good income. So I went off to college and did not study art. Really, 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 really regretted it. And after many years of working a regular job, um, I got married in 2000 and moved to Indiana and couldn't find a job. I mean, seriously, I could not find a job. And I had skills. So I, I was really frustrated. And at that point, um, I was just starting to get into being online and building websites and that sort of thing. So I just looked at my husband and I'm like, I'm going to make my own job. And that's basically what I did. I started a creative agency working with small businesses and crafters. And it just kind of took off from there. And what kind and of work did you do in this creative boutique agency? Back, back then, I did print advertising for magazines. I would actually book magazine ad space for people with um, magazines like Country Sampler, for instance, or um, Herbal Magazines. I worked with a lot of natural products companies. And I also designed websites and print materials and helped them with the early stages of social media. Cause you know, back then social media was pretty new coming onto the scene. And over the years I transitioned from working with clients to wanting to do my own thing. So in 2012, I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm gonna make a go of this. I'm gonna see what I can do with this whole art thing. And I never looked back. And that's what led you to your Etsy shop. Was that 2012 after? Right around that time. Yeah. I was doing some, I was still doing some freelance client work, you know, cause you've got to pay the bills. So I was still doing a, a little bit of that, but I let most of my clients go at that point and I started doing digitals and, you know, that's kind of grown over the last 10 or 11 years. Gosh, has it been that long? Yeah, 11 years. Over the last um, decade or so, you know, you, you work to improve your skills, you get better at Photoshop, you get better at Illustrator. And you know, you're constantly working to get better. So you've got a competitive edge. And yeah, well, I'm, that um, I have all seen. Kinds. I have actually noticed and your improvements and your growth of your business, since I've known you, and I really am impressed by all of your digital oh, printables. You. And one thing I love, and please share the name of your store and it'll all be in the show notes as well. But what I love is your combination of history and art. So where did that come from? Your design stuff? Kimberly, I'm a big time nerd from way back. Okay. Like I was the girl in school that loved history. And so when, when you talk about doing digital art and working with things that are in the public domain, you have to be a little bit of a history buff because it takes a lot of research to find these old books that are out of print. And occasionally you'll run across, um, let's say a book from the 1850s or something, and wow. it has beautiful floral il illustrations in it. Those are in the public domain and you can give those new life by bringing them into a new design and creating something new from that. So that's kind of how I nurture the love of history and still get to make art. Excellent. And can you explain to our listeners about why something of a certain age is in the public domain? Sure. Um, things that are in the public domain means that they are no longer in copyright. So things before 1923, for instance, everything before 1923 is currently in the public domain. 
And then from 1923 up into, I want to say around 60s, um, it's been a while since I read up on this, so don't quote me exactly, but right in there. And there are websites you can go to to check if a certain book or if a certain um, art piece is in the public domain or not. And if it is, then you're able to take that item and create something new from it and hopefully make a profit. That is so fascinating. That's a great approach to your to your design. Now, the next thing I want to ask you about is this radio show that you hosted, because <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of embarking upon this journey with the podcast. It's it's like that in a way, I feel Definitely. like I have an RSS feed now and I'm excited to hear that. So how did that help you by hosting that show? How is that helping? How did that help you with your current business of what you're doing now? Well, back then we did a weekly episode. My friend Mike Klassen and I did the New York Neanderthal marketing radio show. And it was about how to rock your business without reinventing the wheel. That was our, our tagline. So it was all about helping small businesses get off the ground and kind of get over the hump. We all kind of reach a plateau and we wonder, what can I really do to take my business to the next level? And specifically crafters, we've got more time than we have money. And a lot of times that means we've got to wear all the hats. You know what I'm talking about? Right. You've got, As an entrepreneur, you have to wear all the hats. Exactly. Yeah. And because we only have a finite amount of time, our show was really dedicated to helping people work smarter and not harder. So we would talk about things that you could automate in your business, making master files, and particularly for crafters, that's really important. Things like invoices, or if you're a digital designer like I am, um, I have a basic empty Photoshop file that has my copyright statement on the bottom. And when I set up the collage sheets, I, I always go back to that master file. So it saves you time. It's little steps that you can automate or that you can shortcut for yourself. Over time, that adds up. And Absolutely. It's like it's like with Canva, when you make yourself a template, I do that for my host code each month or twice a month when I change the code. Then I, I just open it up, duplicate the page and change the number. Exactly. Together. Yeah. Absolutely. Things like that. People don't know or normally think about those things, you know, but there are little changes like that that you can make in your business. And over time, those are really going to add up. So if there are things, repetitive tasks that you find you're doing again and again and again, think about how you might be able to automate those. Or can you set up a master file? Can you set up a template? What can you do to help make that task go a little bit faster next time? Absolutely. I do that. I do that as much as I can. And then I like Fiverr and doing some outsourcing as well. Oh, that yeah. Really Fiverr's great. Helps me. You know, you know Fiverr. Help from my team as well, because we just can't do it all ourselves. There's so many hats we have to wear, as you mentioned. Fiverr is a great, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that is such a great resource. Not only did we hire a voiceover artist to do the opener for the radio show, but I've also hired that same voiceover artist all these years later to do the promos for my courses. I, I thought he did such a great job and he was affordable. And I, I mean, he sounds fantastic. He was a, a radio DJ for many, many years. So he's got that great voice. And 
you know, I had him do all the promos. Well, excellent. I might have him do my intros and outros because <laughs> I do those myself for now then to get his name from you. And I, I did have my logos designed on there and different things. And then I went back, couldn't always find the same artist. So I would give them the logo and say, now I need an S at the end. I'm the papered, well, actually the papered chef. And then I needed a papered chef with an S for my team. And then I needed some other graphics to look like that. Mm-hmm. And had, you know, couldn't always find my initial person, the initial person I worked with, but I loved that. I love that. Now I want to ask you what you think about this statement and what would we say to someone who thinks this? Now, I don't really want to start a crafty business right now. The economy is not doing well. So what what would you, how would you respond to somebody who says that to you? I would say there's never going to be a perfect time ever, ever. Um, you know, at the time that I decided to start my business back in 2000, I did not have two nickels to rub together. I was looking for a job and couldn't find one. The beauty of the time that we're living in is with the internet, you can really bootstrap a small business so much easier than you could have, say, 20 years ago. Um There are lots of websites that you can go to where you can build a website that's hosted and you don't really have to pay anything or you can pay next to nothing. Um, You know, sites like Etsy, if you have a digital business like I do, you don't have inventory that you have to keep track of. So, I mean, there are definitely still costs involved, but they're nominal. And I think if you if you remember that you don't have to be all things to all people when you first start your business, I think a lot of us kind of fall into the trap of thinking, oh my gosh, I see how quick, you know, Judy over here is growing her business and I want to keep up with her. Just stay in your lane, go at your own pace and grow as you're able and bootstrap it right now. There's no shame in bootstrapping it. There's no shame in using free resources that are available to you. Um, I wish I'd known that when I started out, it would have saved me a lot of time and money. I'm still using many free resources at this point. Yeah, can't some, beat it. Some of Re-scoot. my AI tools are free and Absolutely. some of the, and then, and then what I did is for the zoom, which we are recording on right now, that was, I started out with the free version and then it would say, Oh, your recording time is over. And during the middle of my meeting and I would say to everybody, Oh, we have to, We all have to call back in because Zoom cut off my recording. And and I I was literally doing that. And and then I got the professional version of Zoom with the unlimited, I don't know if it's unlimited, but it's I've never reached the time limit. So yes, we all start out with the free versions. And then as we expand our business, we can reinvest some of that money into our business and upgrade our tools. Absolutely. No shame in that game at all. Use the free stuff as long as you can. Yeah. Do you remember how you started out on Etsy or any advice you could give to someone who just wants to start out on Etsy? (laughs) My best advice if you're starting out on Etsy is go and stalk your competitors first before you ever even pick out a shop name before you do any of that. Get on Etsy, spend a couple hours you know, get your comfy clothes on, grab yourself a beverage, sit down and stalk the living heck out of your competitors. 
And there's a few things in particular that I would want you to pay attention to. Number one, what are they using for the titles in their, in their listings? And I'm not talking about the people that are on page seven of the results here, folks. I'm talking about the people on page one, okay? The ones that are not paid ads, because obviously those people are paying to be there. But there are plenty of people that are ranking high in the search results, and they're not paying a dime. Trust me, I'm one of them. I'm too cheap right. to pay for those ads. So, so your SEO and your and your market research is so important. Most definitely. So stalk your competitors. And I'm not saying copy them because that would not be cool. We don't want to we don't want to do that. But model yourself after them, most certainly. Um, you know, at the end of the day, even though Etsy has a so-so search algorithm, Google drives Etsy listings, okay? When when Etsy places ads with Google, they're, they're using the Google search algorithm. So if you're gonna set up listings, design them to be Google friendly, because if, if Google's picking up your listings, people are gonna find you. And Etsy is a huge, huge marketplace. It's extremely competitive. And that's one way that you can set yourself apart. Make great titles. Make sure you're picking really great keywords. You know, ask yourself, if I was Joe Schmuckatelli and I was looking for XYZ, what would I type into the search engine to find it? So, you know. Okay, this is great advice. And so the importance of research and not not designing something and then trying to sell it, but more more like do your market research to see what's selling. Oh, yeah. And not only that, set yourself up some templates. You know, use a free text file program. Um, I use one called NoteTab Lite, and it's fantastic. It's the best text program I've ever found. It does all these cool things, and it's free. Um, set yourself up a couple of basic listing titles and a list of your keywords, because when you get to be a woman of a certain age, as I am, you cannot rely on your memory. For, for saying, oh, I'll remember those great keywords I picked. No, you won't. <laughs> Keep yourself a file and use the duplicate listing tool. That's that's a that's I your friend. I use that on my Etsy as well. For my mom's aprons and doll clothes and things, I de- definitely duplicate and then change the colors and the... Right. You know, once you've got a system that works, there's no reason to, you know, if it ain't broke, don't, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I use just while you were saying about the note tab, like I use, of course, notepad because I'm a Windows user, but I also love Evernote. Evernote is a free tool and yeah. I use that for all my brainstorming. And then, of course, Google Sheets to keep track of a lot of these things. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't made use of Google probably as much as I should. What I really love about NoteTab is that you it will format your text for you. So if you want it to be, you know, if you've taken and copy and pasted something from somewhere and you dump it into a note program, a lot of times it doesn't format the paragraphs and it doesn't, you know what I mean? It just kind of dumps all your text in mass. There's a lot of cool bells and whistles. You can right. change the, you know, the capitalization and all that. Go check them out. No tablet. I definitely, <laughs> I can definitely, even though I'm a digital hoarder, can use another program on this computer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a PC person too, and I, I love it. I've used it for years. Okay, well, next I want to ask you about customer service because with over 18,000 sales, you must have had a lot of interactions 
and engagement with your customers. And and so how how does the customer journey begin with with you and then how does it continue? How do you keep it continuing so that they become a loyal customer? Um well, number 1 at the end of the day your brand is you. And the more that your, you know, the more that your customers get to know you, I know it sounds cliche, but the more that they know you and have a rapport with you, the they're going to come back. People buy things from people that they know, like, and trust. Bottom Absolutely. line. Absolutely. So if the, if your if your customers don't know you, for you know, as far as digitals go, it's extremely competitive on Etsy, extremely. And even though I'm in the top 1% of Etsy sellers, there are digital sellers that have hundreds of thousands of sales that are much, much bigger fish than me. What I can say with the most utmost confidence is that my customers know me. They know my style. They know that if they come to my shop, they're looking for a specific thing. You know, I, I love vintage stuff, so they know they can find vintage stuff, but I'm also quirky as all get out. They know they're going to find quirky stuff in my shop that they aren't likely to find somewhere else. Um, I use Facebook a lot. And um, <laughs> if you follow my shop, probably at least once you've seen my husband, who who I take with me, he, yes. he does a lot of crafty shopping. I've seen him at the Hobby Lobby with you. <laughs> Yes. And those were pretty hilarious videos. Oh, my husband cannot be trusted alone. Yes. And and a lot of times if I'm working on a project and I have to send him out, I know darn well he's going to do his famous hashtag craft store photo shoot. And he he's hysterical. But that's really how we are. I mean, what you see is what you get on Facebook. And I'm not trying to be somebody that I'm not. You know, my husband is is hysterical he's just very funny he should have his own comedy show um but you'll see you know pictures of him posing and writing dad jokes in hobby lobby that's you know kimberly even said she knows it she's seen it um i I post a lot you could tell our listeners where to find your facebook because they're probably wondering we gotta see this (laughs) we gotta see that yeah Yeah, and i will also put it in the show notes but go ahead and tell everyone where to find your um, it's facebook.com forward slash Tracy V as in Victor designs and Tracy spelled with an I, um, you know, Thank you. I also post a lot of jokes. Um, I have two Yorkshire Terriers and we don't have children. So our Yorkies are our whole entire life. You're likely to see, um, the occasional appearance of one of my dogs or hear a story about something crazy they've done, but, um, you know, I, I want to encourage you to be who you are and, and don't be afraid to be who you are. I mean, warts and all, I want to know who the people that I'm buying from, who they are. You know, you want to you want to root for people, you know. Right. And, and I've, I've heard it said where we want to attract our tribe and repel those. We also want to repel people. We actually want to we want to attract strongly the people who vibe with us and our tribe. Right. And then we also want to repel those who don't. So that we surround ourselves with those that are exactly that are like we are. And that's probably how I found you because I'm (laughs) as quirky as can be as well. And that's why I find those things interesting. (laughs) You're my people. Yeah, it's great. And and I and the reason I even started this podcast was to connect with crafty friends like you. This is this is amazing. This is an amazing conversation so far. And it brings me to 
the whole topic of engagement. And I think, I mean, if, if, if I could put a percentage on it, I would say 75% of what we sell is because the engagement or because of the, because of us maybe and the other 25 yeah. is like what we're selling. I don't know. That's just the percentage I feel. I think that's pretty accurate. Most definitely. Um, you know, I recently, you know, when, as I said before, when you, when you have a small business and you're, you know, you're it, you're chief bottle washer and you're the advertising manager and you're this, that, and the <laughs> third, you know? So one of the things that I was having problems keeping up with was YouTube because in the big scheme of things, I was going, okay, I know my people are on Facebook. I know my people are on Instagram and I was doing both and I was doing both pretty well, keeping up with both, but I had really let my YouTube slide and I connected with a couple of other YouTubers that are super creative, super talented, and they do things that are completely worlds away from what I do. One of them works with uh, air dry clay and she makes the most incredible figures and, and brings these characters to life. The other girl, Fun. she's a huge thrift, thrift shopper and upcycler and she's great at telling stories. And so that was something I could relate to, but they're both really quirky in their own way. Okay. So again, I'm attracted to people because of their personalities. And both of them had really great personalities that, that just ooze out of the screen when you watch their YouTube. So sorry, I'm coming to the point, I promise. That's <laughs> um, okay. With what, I'm, I'm excited. I'm listening with bated breath. <laughs> so I connected with these two ladies and they both had channels that were much bigger than mine. I mean, I have under 500 subscribers. Okay. So I am a very small fish on YouTube, but these gals took a chance on me and we did a collaboration together and I gave them some of my digitals to work with. And they each made some really phenomenal projects with them. And what we did was we set up a playlist on YouTube and each of them had a video and I had a video in the playlist and we kind of introduced our individual followers to each other. And it was kind of like having a great big party of like-minded crafters. I mean, people who would never have known who I am or never have known what I do were introduced to me. And I got to meet some of the subscribers that they have and, you know, find out, oh, these are some other great channels that I should follow. So by doing that collaboration, it really helped me kind of jumpstart my channel again. And so I'm trying to be more faithful about getting um, videos uploaded over there. But I guess my point is that don't underestimate the value of partnerships, especially if you're if you're selling to similar people, but you're not in competitive fields where, you know, like neither of them do digitals, um, but they are, you know, catering crafters, same as me. And There's they, no all, reason have, why they I... all have crafty audiences. And I know a lot of demonstrators in my company, they they can collaborate with people from other countries because their customers will be different. But we we sell the same product, but they'll they'll collaborate with someone from another country right. and do a workshop. And then each of them sell that workshop to people in their own country. So, I, I, but I also, in a way, and I don't know how you feel about this statement is I really don't even believe in competition in, in that. I think that a rising tide lifts all ships. And so if we all collaborate, then we can all help each other grow and maybe create create new customers out of people that weren't even crafters because they watch how we collaborate with some products and 
CEA, they want to get, they want to be in our circle and start crafting with us. So yeah, I mean, to me, it's not always be about comp- competition. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that statement, but not all collaborations are created equal. So let me preface that by saying, find your people. I can't stress that enough. You'll know when you're with your people because you'll be like, oh my gosh, where have these people been all my life? Right. That's, you know, and, and when you find yourself looking forward to seeing what a complete stranger that you have never laid eyes on, when you find yourself looking forward to the next video that they upload or the next post that they make on social media, that is a huge, huge value. And that's what we all look to create as small crafters. That's, you can't get any better than that. I love that you found your people and I was going to ask you about this and you already discussed a different aspect of collaboration on YouTube that I wasn't even thinking about, but I love, I love that collaboration example, but you also have a design team. So how do, do you find those, how do you find people to do that with you and collaborate with them on showcasing your designs and how has that helped your business? Well, the, the design team has been, let's just say there was a learning curve there. Okay. <laughs> um, that's the, that's the short version. There was a learning curve. Um, you'll get people that want to be on your design team because they get free stuff. Okay. So the key is finding people who are inspired by what you make and not just want free stuff. Okay. Hey, point well understood. <laughs> okay. So when, once I did, it was a lot like it was really a lot like some of the things that I've already kind of said. Um, these were people who were already shopping with me anyway. They knew my designs. They knew my design aesthetic. And I put out an open call and I put it out on Facebook. There's a couple of uh, groups that you can join if you're looking for design team members and you can make a post on there. And I had an online application. It's still up live on my website. You know, So if you were so inclined, you could go apply if you were interested in working with designs and not just free stuff. (laughs) But most of the girls that have been on my team, in fact, the ones that are on there right now, um, all of them have been with me at least five years. I don't have a lot of turnover. Um, Most of the people that are with me have been with me through thick and thin. Um, They're from other countries. I have a lady, um, Yasmin, who is from Pakistan. I have Eliza that is from Italy. I have quite a few ladies that are here from the States. I've had people from Australia and the UK. Um, It was kind of like the UN there for a while. We we had everybody in the world, um, lots of different countries represented. And what's so great about that is in different parts of the world, people have a different design aesthetic than you do. And they bring a lot of cool stuff and a great point of view to the table that you would never have been exposed to. So I I love having a design team. Um, I've already told all the ladies they're not allowed to ever leave. They have to just wait until I retire and then they can go find another team. But until then, they're stuck with me. I don't think you're ever going to retire because you love what you do so much. I really do. I really do. And I want to I want to get the viewers or the listeners. They're not viewers today. In this particular case, they're listeners. I want to have them get a feel for what a day in Tracy's life is like as a creative (laughs) entrepreneur. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm in my fifties, full disclosure. So I'm premenopausal. I sleep 
a couple hours here, a couple hours there. It's really kind of crazy right now. So there's absolutely nothing normal about a day in Tracy's life right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I might be up until 4 a.m. and then sleep until, you know, 1130 in the morning. But thankfully, when you work for yourself, you can do crap like that and get away with it. Um, I have my studio is set up in the lower level of our house. I've got two monitors and now because I'm getting older, my monitors are huge as is the fonts on, on my screens are now huge too. Um, I'm usually working in Photoshop and Illustrator because I'm designing not only for my Etsy shop, but I also um, design for Silhouette America. So I'm doing a lot of um, SVGs in Illustrator. So um, I try to kind of map out, this is what I'm going to do this week. This is what I'm, you know, these are the things I want to get done. Sometimes my dogs will have another idea. And so we might have to take frequent breaks for the two little Yorkies that want to play or They need go your out. attention. Yeah, two ounce bladders. So there are a lot of bathroom trips, you know, a lot of field trips to the backyard during the day. But, um, you know, it. I, I couldn't tell you that there's anything else that I'd rather do at all. Same here. I could craft all day. And, oh, yeah. and I do many days. And my mom sometimes says that she forgets to eat because she's so busy sewing. And I guess it's really about being in a flow state when you mm -hmm. just love what you do and you're just in flow and you just go, go, go. Absolutely. I mean, it when it's quiet in the wee hours of the morning, sometimes I'll find myself get up and, you know, come to the computer because I don't have the phone's not ringing. The dogs aren't wanting to go out. I don't have to stop and worry about, oh, crap, I didn't make anything for dinner. You know, <laughs> I can just do my thing, focus on what I want to do. And um, yeah, so sometimes I'll get messages from Etsy customers and it's like two or three in the morning and they're like, I didn't expect to answer so fast. And I'm like, well, you know, you just happened to hit me when I was awake. So it was just one of those things. But that's great that you can handle logistics from any, any time, anywhere. Oh yeah. I mean, the Etsy app has made it nice because you can respond to customer service questions. Um, they also have the um, ability for you to answer frequently asked questions and have you know, the response is already typed out and they have a drop down menu. And that that's just another way that you can make yourself a little bit more efficient. If you find that you're getting the same kinds of questions all the time, go ahead, copy and paste that answer and set up that reply in Etsy so that you can get back to customers right away. I've always wished YouTube had something like that for me with the comments and questions about the scan and cut. Oh yeah. That and I nice. ended up with a notepad with a lot of the common answers and put it, copying and pasting them. But now I'm using voice to, to do oh, that voice chat. Yes. To, to write the response. And then That's I check nice. it once and plus press send, but comments are you, we have to keep up with those, which I'm not 100% there yet keeping up with comments, but it's so important whether it's a comment from a viewer or a customer or a question, very important. Most definitely. Most definitely. Now, you and I both have multiple streams of crafty income. And I know a lot of our listeners are going to want to know how to do this. So let's talk about your teaching. And also, while, well, just to start out, I want to say for, for me personally, and maybe this is the same for you, I didn't start the second source of income until I had the first one under control. 
We don't, I didn't, I didn't start several things at once. Like this podcast is only starting now because everything else is the, the balls are in the air. I'm juggling right. these balls in the air and I'm grabbing one more ball. And that's kind of what I feel like with this podcast, but I, I didn't start them all at the same time. So I just wanted you to kind of address both, oh, yeah. both I, how I, you I, got into your next source of income and then how, like, tell us a little bit about your multiple sources of crafty income and where, where, where are these sources coming from and how it gives you, you know, peace of mind okay. or whatever it gives you or what kind of rewards it gives you. Well, I mean, we're, we're living in a digital age and, you know, the, the news cycle changes on a dime and people's preferences change on a dime. So what might be popular today may not be popular tomorrow or six months from now. So you kind of have to keep an idea of what's going on. You certainly need to track trends. And when you see trends developing or you see additional ways that you can um, meet customers and offer them something you know that you make, then you, that's the best way to do it. Um, for me, I have an Etsy shop. Um, I also design for Silhouette America. There are about 11 other marketplaces that I sell in right now. Um, some of them are print on demand type products where, you know, I upload my designs and people can go over there and buy a design I've made on a t-shirt or a coffee mug or a poster or a shower curtain or a magnet greeting card. So there's lots of ways. I only have to upload that design once and I can theoretically sell it forever. So if, if my Etsy shop takes a dip, as sometimes it will do seasonally, let's say in the summer when people are outside and, you know, they're doing things with their family, they may not be online buying digital printables, but they might be buying t-shirts or they might be wearing, buying hats or water bottles, you know, to take with them on their camping trip or whatever. So I might see a jump in my shop over at Redbubble because people are buying t-shirts. So I love that. You know, it, it's just, I think the bottom line, Kimberly, is that I'm a greedy girl, I guess, when it comes right down to it. Um, I want to make sure that if there is an option that I can take one design and offer it three or four different ways, and I'm hitting different customer bases, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And I don't even think of it as greedy. I mean, you everyone deserves to be compensated for their, their talents and product productivity. Yeah, I mean, you know, like what you're doing, for instance, okay, so you, you're with Stampin' Up! and you're doing your direct sales business, but you also hit upon something really valuable with the scan and cut. So you set up these classes, and, you know, for me, I had a scan and cut that was still in the box when I saw your video, no joke. And so I watched a couple of your videos on YouTube, and I was like, holy crap, she's got a class? I could oh my gosh, I can cut out things that I've stamped. Are you kidding me? And it, you know, if it was one of those things that when the scan and cut came out, it was like, Ooh, shiny. I've got to have that machine. Not even thinking what the heck am I going to do with it once I get it? So I've heard know, these I, words many times. <laughs> <laughs> so I happened upon you and it opened up a whole other Avenue. So I think, you know, it's important to think about that. You know, um, I, I love, you know, again, I'm going to, 
be dating myself here, but do you remember the old Ronco commercials, Ron Popeil? Ron Popeil was famous. He was a, a infomercial guy back before infomercials were really huge. And he made all these kitchen gadgets. Ronco was his company. And Ron Popeil was famous recall, for saying- but I do remember infomercials and late right. night infomercials. I think I'm older than you, but we're, we're just not gonna tell. Um, anyway, Ron Popeil was famous for saying, set it and forget it. And I am a firm believer in that. If there is a shop that I can set up one time and theoretically sell forever, I'd be a fool not to take advantage of that. So I looked for places that I could put my products that had very little overhead as far as the maintenance goes. And they pay me, you know, every month digitally through PayPal. So it's a beautiful thing. You know, not everybody's going to be able to do that, but there, there are other ways, you know, maybe you like to do craft shows. Okay. Maybe there is an antique mall or a craft shop locally that takes things on consignment or allows you to rent out a booth space. You know, that would be another way that you could reach people that you weren't reaching before. So I love all of these ideas for both passive and active sources of income. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you need to look for multiple streams because if something were to dry up, you don't want to find yourself high and dry. Literally, you want to make sure that, okay, I've still got money coming in. It's okay. And, And being in those multiple marketplaces, another great thing that it does for you is that it gives you a leg up on the trends. Things that are happening and trending may not trend in all markets at the same time. So something might start to gain some momentum and it might take a while to hit some of the other places that you're in. This gives you an opportunity to get a leg up on the competition. And I love that. You know, when you see something selling in one marketplace and then you can get ready in the next marketplace. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's excellent. Now, we teaching crafting courses. I know when you first said to me, and I was already on YouTube, that was I'm just I'm gonna call that self-published. I'm just doing my thing. And then you said, Oh, you should teach on these other platforms like Skillshare. And then the very first page it comes to, it says apply. And personally, I just did it. I just went and went for it. But that might be a little intimidating to some when they see that word apply on many websites. So what is that? What is the purpose of that application process? And, and why do what what can people expect when they're going to go teach online? Because it's really not as scary as, as you first think it is when you're just a pushing that apply button and filling out. True. True. Um, I would say if you're not used to doing video, start on YouTube first, get yourself a little bit of a following because nothing gives you confidence, like some raving fans that are cheering you on and, you know, commenting on your videos and you're getting interaction. So start small and then go over and, you know, with Skillshare, they have classes in everything under the sun. You know, I think that people tend to be their own worst critic and they don't give themselves credit for the knowledge that they have. There is something that if you really sat down and thought about it and you're honest with yourself, there are things that you're good at. Build a class around it. You know, um, it was with for me, um, I like Photoshop and I may not do everything the way that Photoshop experts would. But I I found some tips and tricks that worked for me that made me work a little bit more efficiently. And I thought, okay, that might help somebody else. And if it could, then, you know, 
what what's the harm in putting that out there? You right. Know, and you're being you and you're the only one who can be you and show how you do it. So your course is unique in that way. And I know for me personally, I use my iPhone. That's what I use to film my courses. Not well, not something fancy schmancy. Oh, no, you don't need fancy schmancy. So I did. And, you know, the same thing exists. There's free video software out there. Um, it used to be Camtasia. I haven't looked in a while, but there used to be a free Camtasia video software that you could even use to screen capture. Because when I'm teaching classes, I'm showing people my screen in Photoshop. So I needed something a little bit different than what you're doing. I needed to capture right. my screen. I use Screencast-O-Matic, which I love for that. Oh, okay. See, yeah. there's, it's, there's it's free one. with the watermarked version, but I, I didn't want the watermark. So I I, again, I paid for it and it's one of the subscriptions that you keep forgetting you have. And oh yeah, I have a whole lot of subscriptions to things that are annual and they just sort of renew and it's no, no big deal because I do love that software. But you know, another one, like for audio, for instance, when I'm doing voiceover on my videos for YouTube, I use a free software program called Audacity. Right. That's what I use for this podcast. After and I get this I audio it. from us, from out of Zoom which is being stored on my hard drive. I'm going to put it in Audacity, add the intro and outro, which we may find another person to record for me at some point. <laughs> and then I, I'm going to just upload it because like, yeah. let's do it. And then I'm going to go do my monthly card club video and my workshop videos on, on YouTube and go back to the other things I'm doing. So yeah, it's yeah, not- I mean, you have your hands in an awful lot of things too. I mean, you know, you're doing classes and your Audacity. classes- are way more popular than than my little piddly Photoshop class ever was, but nothing's you know, piddly. Nothing's piddly. Every everybody knows something. You know something. Maybe it's your grandmother's biscuit recipe that's been handed down, you know, from five generations down, and and everybody that you've you know given these biscuits to talk about how fantastic they are. Build a class around that. Film yourself in your kitchen making these these biscuits and then you know at the end you offer a pdf printable of the recipe i mean you could build a class around that so think about what you're good at and and you know expand from there that is such, such great advice because if we're just one step ahead and we know a recipe or we know one aspect of crafting or one no nice fancy fold or one mm -hmm. sign we can we can teach it to others and it can be oh, yeah. one of our sources of income so okay. that's what I'm going to be doing with my group online is talking about, I have a group that's, that I also launched at the same time as launching this podcast. Oh, wow. Grow, grow your crafty business. I'll tell you about it after we stop recording. Cause maybe <laughs> I can convince you to be a, one of my guest workshop presenters on there, but this is definitely something that we'll be discussing is just let's all create courses because that is one thing oh, that yeah. is always one of my I don't want to call it passive because I did a lot to start them out, but sure. And we still answer student questions and check assignments, but I'm still getting money from Skillshare each month and from Udemy, whether I'm d developing new courses or not. Right. But th th once you set it up, it's done, and you you don't need to ever check it again, unless sure. there's a question or comment. Right. Which brings me to, how do you personally, and I can maybe chime in as well. How do you handle negative feedback from customers or viewers or anybody because sometimes <laughs> it just puts me in a state of shock well I think <laughs> that I have to like snap out of 
Well, when I was younger, again, you know, I'm, I'm of a certain age. Um, when I was younger, in my 30s, if I got a bit of negative feedback, I had such thin skin and I would take that to heart and it would cripple me for, for a few days, generally. I wouldn't want to be creative. I wouldn't want to do anything. I was all boo-hoo, woe is me. And now, you know, I think it's a lot easier when you get a little bit older, you get some perspective. The bottom line is you're not for everybody and not everybody is for you. And, it, you know, it's going back to finding your tribe. You're going to find that once you have zeroed in on the right people, you know, going where your customers are and making things that you know your customers want. And you're going to only know that by time, you know, spending the time to find out what your customers want. But once you do that, the negative feedback, really, you don't have as much or you don't have any. You might, you know, you might find that you don't have any. If you do get some, I think you just have to remember, I'm not for everybody. I'm an acquired taste. And, you know, perhaps I was just not what this person was looking for. And there's also plenty of Karens online who are never going to be happy no matter what you do. And the best thing to do in that situation is give them a refund and wish them Godspeed. Right. <laughs> well, that they go somewhere I've else. learned I've learned my lesson about not responding, not taking it personal. And at, but at the beginning, my mom would say, if I tell her something, she'd say, well, maybe they were right. Or maybe you should maybe you should consider what they said. And I, I thought that, well, that was good advice, too. Because yeah. one, one lady, I'll probably have to do a whole podcast on some of these funny <laughs> comments because I'm just I'm, I'm actually going to just laugh when I say it. But she was like, if you smack your lips one more time. Oh, like, my word. Yeah. Are like, you serious? Oh, it was just I mean, she she's like, you're driving me crazy with the smacking of your lips or whatever it was at the beginning. When oh, I was good night. And I think I needed, you know, maybe I said I said to my husband, do I do that? And he goes, I don't think you do that. But then. I, we went and listened and like my mom said, maybe she should take their advice. And sure <laughs> enough, I was, I was doing some of that and I, and I was thirsty probably. And I was, okay. I, was, I'll I mean, I've me done videos when I was living in Bahrain. I could have been there. I could have been in Guam where I was dying right. thirst, you know, at the time, but I was doing some, some things. And she's like, if you have a speech impediment, I'll understand, but otherwise you're driving me insane and stop oh it already. And, and so I, I did. And now I think about my speech patterns and I've slowed down my speech. And it, it's just, you know, I laugh about it now, but at first I was so like, like the nerve I'm doing this voluntarily, like all well, of this, do you know what my heart, heart like I'm almost up to a thousand videos at this point. So when someone criticizes my videos, I'm like, you know, you're not making videos. Like you are just watching people who make videos and you don't realize how much work we put into these. And no, I think they personal, don't. But now I don't write back and say anything to them. I just like what like my mom says, see if they have any, are they making a point or are they, um, are they, well, there, there are some being YouTube are creators. Are they being a Karen and being mean? Are they making a point? Well, and, and you're never, Karen, anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. You're never going to make everybody happy. I think the thing that, that I have run across on YouTube and, and I watch a lot of YouTube. Okay. I watch a lot of creators in a lot of different, um, you know, different disciplines, 
one, because, you know, it's nice to, to meet other people and who are, you know, on the same struggle bus that you're on, you know, trying to make it as a small business doing creative work. The other thing is that, you know, you can see what's working and what's not working. And here, there's two things that absolutely drive me nuts. They're like fingernails on a chalkboard. Someone somewhere started saying, without further ado, and now everybody and their brother is saying that in their videos. And it's like, you know, that's I've just, said it here and there, but not all the time. I've got oh my gosh. In front of you. That's funny. It, it drives me insane. And, you know, the other one is that being said, and there was one video I was watching and this, this particular crafter said, that being said, I could have started a drinking game. No joke. <laughs> she said it so many times. I was just like, oh my gosh, if I was doing shots, I'd be on the floor right now. So That's hilarious, you know, just be mindful. And there's nothing wrong with writing yourself an outline or a script. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. You know, President Biden uses cue cards. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Right. I, I have notes like right now, but I don't have a script because I don't work well off a script or reading anything. But mm -hmm. I, I definitely in my in my videos, I tell or I, I, I tell my audience and that I'm not even going to say hello to you until like I'm done my first project or my first section of my video, because one thing that annoys me personally as I listen to videos is like when they say hi John and hi Jane and hi uh, Barb yes. and hi Sue and and then they say hi for the first five ten minutes and I'm I'm like peace out I'm gone but so right. I try to I love to say hi I love to interact during live videos but I like to do a little crafting first and then say hi that's a really good point I mean you start to sound like romper room you know she you remember the the host yeah I love romper yeah, room I, I know what that is exactly. Whew good thing I was starting to feel like you know I was ancient you know I'm a fossil over here so yeah you know hey I'm relating to to everything you say so I guess we're both fossils but we're going to be doing this for <laughs> a long time and I have a feeling we're when we check back in with each other we're going to have all of these new adventures and new ventures that we've Absolutely. started because I know as personally and you might feel this way too is like you you can't turn off the ideas right like I it's a faucet no. right you no. just can't turn them off there's so yeah. many more things to do you know, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but um, I have an Alexa in my house, a couple of them, actually. I love Alexa. And, yeah. and I can't tell you how many times I've said, Alexa, remind me of blah, 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 because it came to me in the middle of the night and I thought it was brilliant. And then the next morning, Alexa either misheard me or it doesn't sound nearly as good in the light of day, but I've, I've even gotten my husband messaging me midday going, Alexa just sent me a reminder for something you told it last night. What the heck is this? You know, that's hilarious. So, yeah. She's just I'm, listening all the time. That's why I, I don't have her in my, she said, because she would be talking in behind, you know, in my videos. If I said something, she would be responding. Well, I have a question for you, Kimberly. Sure, do you, sure. do you talk to yourself when you're creating? I try to listen to a lot of, I, when I have nothing on, yes, absolutely. But I try to listen to podcasts and audiobooks all the time and zoom, zoom lessons, which I turn off the video and just sort of walk around and listen to whatever workshop, seminar, podcast. So I have yeah. noise in the background, but whenever there's not noise, then yes, I'm talking to myself and I, thinking of, Oh, I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. I could do <laughs> oh yeah. 
I just wish I had more time to do it all. Me too. Absolutely. And um, so I, I want to ask you if you have a question for the next guest. I'm just popping this on you now. I just want my, since you're my first a, guest, maybe you could, and you, if you don't think of it now, you can let me know what the question is. So what, what can I ask my next guest I, from the former I would guest? Say, the, I would say my question would be, what is the one thing that you wish you could go back and tell yourself about your crafty business, say 10 years ago? that you didn't know then that you know now what would what you know what would you go back and say is is the big tip that you could give them to eliminate some of the learning curve that you experienced okay i'm i'm loving this question so you and i can each try to take a stab at it after i write it down what is the one thing you could go back and tell yourself 10 years ago oh this is good because I like this question and we can both try to take a stab at it. For me, it would be to start out with a strategy instead of just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. <laughs> and and also start out from the very beginning asking for people's email addresses and a way to contact them Ooh, and do call to one. actions because I just I probably did a hundred videos before I was like, could you like this? <laughs> or could you subscribe? And and <laughs> And I have a newsletter over there. Could you go over there? Like I made things so hard to get in touch with me or to stay in touch with me. And I had no strategy whatsoever. I was like, I just like to craft and I'm showing you things <laughs> and nothing I'm showing you has any cohesive theme or whatever. And so, well, yeah. I mean, it goes against everything strategy. that you're taught from the time you're a little kid to say, oh, like me, like me, you know, right. follow me. You know, you're, you, we're always taught, you know, that the, being self-centered or whatever like that that's just not something that you do so it doesn't come naturally and um yeah I'm definitely guilty of that um yeah I think I have a few automated little thumbs up that'll appear in my videos that I put when I'm editing them I'll put a, a animation for subscribe or I'll put an animation for a thumbs up but that's as far as I've gone I like that <laughs> so what would you tell yourself 10 years ago when you oh um this is a great question i think i'm going to use it on every podcast Ooh, okay wow trendsetter no pressure mm -hmm. um i think probably there's so many things kimberly oh my gosh so many things i stepped in it so many different ways six ways to sunday um i think probably i would say don't try to be all things to all people because when I first started out, I was like, oh, they're doing journal kits and this person's doing paper and this person's doing collage sheets and this person's doing this. And oh my gosh, why am I not doing that? I ended up making things that were maybe popular in a competitor shop, but people weren't looking for those things from me or because my heart wasn't completely in them, I wasn't doing my best work. And, you know, then you're making things that don't sell. And if something is sitting in your Etsy shop and you're renewing it month after month or, you know, every two months, whatever it is, um, you're costing yourself money. And I'm a lot more brutal with my listings and I'm a lot more brutal with editing myself now than I was back then. You know, if something doesn't sell, I'm like, okay, you're done. <laughs> you know, I'm voting you off the island. You're done. Yes. I like, I like that. This is, this is great advice because, if, and 
and it all goes back to we don't want to compare ourselves. We want to be unique, come up with our designs and be unique in what we do that way. Well, yeah. I mean, and a lot of times you'll when it goes back to the stalking thing. If you really spend the time and call it market research, guys, don't call it stalking. OK, <laughs> call it market research. So, you know, you're sitting there and your husband's going, what are you doing? Market research. So you're checking out you're checking out the competition. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, if they are one of those people, this is devious. OK, so let me just put an asterisk. This is devious. What I'm about to say. <laughs> Um, <laughs> go for if, it. I'm curious now. You have my. If if they're if you have your settings set up on Etsy so that people can click on your sales, you know, like under the top where mine says eighteen thousand something. Right. Um, I just looked at okay, that. Okay. I have a setting turned off, but if I had it turned on, and a lot of people don't know about this, you can click on that and see what is selling in my shop. So that's a whole other level of market research you can do on somebody. Do they have one or two designs that they're selling like hotcakes? That's one way to find out. Now, plenty of sellers have it turned off, myself included, but for the people that don't, take advantage of that. Right, this is this is great advice. And I have a couple of digital products on there and the, they do better than my physical products, obviously, because my mom has one apron or one doll dress, one of a kind. Mm -hmm. But then my digital products sell over and over. But the way I came up with the designs was because it was something that I was using myself in my business. And then I, I, would, smart. I would sell it. But there's some other designs that I I made because of I was making them for teachers or as giveaways. And then I sell them as well. So there's things that I don't personally use, but I made for someone else. But yeah, I love digital. I love digital. Me too. So is there anything else that you would like our viewers to know? And also I want them to know where to find you or what the name of your shop is, if you could spell that for us. And what else did I didn't yeah. ask you before we sum things up? Oh my gosh, I think I talked your leg off. So I don't think there's anything that we left out. Um, but no certainly if you think of something, if you uh, think of something later, you can always hit me back up. Um, most of my shops, if not all, are listed under Tracy Vanover Designs. Um, so on Instagram, for instance, I'm Tracy V as in Vanover designs, um, same thing on Facebook, Tracy V designs, um, on YouTube, same thing, Tracy V designs. And, um, I don't have a ton of videos over on YouTube yet, but I'm, I'm growing, I'm small, but mighty. So come on over, um, fair warning. It's very quirky. What you see is what you get. I'm not a big, you know, crazy production value, cinematic videos. Um, you're going to get me warts and all. I typically do my videos in one take. So, and it shows. <laughs> hey, as do I. And when someone is just starting out, we we can always appreciate like that we were all there at one time. And, and, and those that are starting out are going to say, well, she has a lot more than I have if they don't have any. Right. So again, it's just, it's amazing how far you've come in the different areas. Everybody so today we've talked one. to Tracy V that's Tracy with an I. So please follow her on the socials. And we have discussed ways to have more than one source of crafty income. Tracy's on at least a dozen marketplaces. She's an instructor, a digital designer, she also has experience 
and we didn't even get into this today, but selling physical products as well. I've seen the work of her journals, which are amazing. She oh, talked about you. the importance of doing market research or stalking other <laughs> sellers before you get into that space and being unique and finding your tribe and them finding you, make it easy for your tribe to find you. All of this was great, juicy stuff. I appreciate you listening. Goodbye, crafty friends. Thank you for joining us on Hello, Crafty Friends. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Your feedback helps us inspire more crafty entrepreneurs just like you. Stay connected with our community and shape the direction of our podcast. Visit HelloCraftyFriends.com to join the Grow Your Crafty Business membership group. Until next time, keep crafting, keep thriving, and keep growing. Goodbye, crafty friends.